Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 82. Let's go. Let's do it. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, who wants you to be a success story on his show one day, Pat Flynn. Yo, what's up? This is Pat Flynn, and here we are sitting at session 82, and I'm really excited about this one today because I'm interviewing one of you, an SPI fan, a listener of the show who listened to one episode in particular uh, a while back, decided to take action, and he's recently just left his job to do what he's doing online full time now. Basically, started from scratch, even before he had an idea to finding the market, analyzing it, finding out exactly what this market needed, creating that solution, and getting paying customers for his idea even before it was built complete validation before spending more time and effort on it. This is going to be so cool. You're going to love this one because if it, I mean, if it doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. He talks about the fears that he went through. He shares the exact steps he took along the way. I mean, get ready because, because, because we're going to start that interview right now. So let's welcome Carl Mattiola to the show to tell us exactly what he did and how he did it. Enjoy. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm very, very happy to welcome Carl to the show. What's up, Carl? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, for those of you listening, Carl and I got connected because I got an email from Andy Drish, who is working with Dane Maxwell. You might recognize that name, Dane Maxwell, from SPI podcast episode number 46, uh, where Dane talked about a very interesting strategy that he shared, um, basically being able to build a business with no money, no expertise. And Andy contacted me because Carl sort of took some of Dane's advice and put it into action and is now seeing results. So I would, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy to welcome you, Carl, to sort of share the steps you've taken to create what you've created and, and, and talk about the sort of process along the way, what you learned, maybe what you did right, what you did wrong, everything. You know, you listened to that episode and that is what inspired you to do what you do now. Why don't you tell us really quick, Carl, a little bit about yourself and, and, and what it is that you're doing now as a result of 
taking action? Sure. Um, uh, well, I describe myself as a software entrepreneur now, but prior to that, I was, you know, working at uh, a bunch of bigger companies. I was at um, Johnson and Johnson, and then another software company called Acceleris. And after that, I was at Tesla. Um, yeah, and I left Tesla recently to uh, work full time on the software company that I built. That's called Clinic Metrics. It helps physical therapy practice owners manage their business metrics. Okay, got it. So take so okay, you're you're working at Tesla, which is awesome. That company's doing really well, and you decide to leave to work on your software software business, Clinic Metrics. Um, when during the I mean, how far along was Clinic Metrics when you decided to leave Tesla? I had already had customers, and it was it was already launched. Okay, sweet. That's yeah. awesome. So let's 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 rewind. Let's talk about you listening to episode number forty six, which will which we'll link to in the show notes here for everybody who hasn't listened to that. Um, probably the most popular episode I've had to date. Over a hundred thousand downloads of that episode specifically. And tell us what was going through your head when you were listening to that episode, and sort of what you did after that. Oh man. Well, <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, I was, you know, I, I had started listening to your podcast pretty much, um, that fall. Um, I, I was, you know, ju just found it then and I was driving to Tesla and listening to you on the way and, uh, kind of pick, picked and choose a bunch of different episodes and just saw that one and chose it one morning. And I remember listening to it, um, and hearing his process and it really resonated with me because, you know, it's a, a lot how I, you know, for my job, uh, design software, you know, for other people in terms of asking lots of questions and figuring out what they want and then designing something um, and then building it. So I really resonated with that. And I just thought it was amazing that you could take that concept and bring it to uh, like a real live market and build a product out of it. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I could not sign up fast enough. Like I literally... I remember pulling into the parking lot, getting out my iPhone, looking it up. And at this point, it, that episode had been aired for a while. So I was actually late to sign up and everything. And, and I signed up and, you know, luckily got in in time and, and just went for it right after that. Awesome. And for those of you listening, uh, when Carl's talking about signing up, this is to Dane's sort of uh, training program called The Foundation. And right. this episode isn't here to promote The Foundation, although this is definitely a success story coming out of that. This is to promote the um, the idea of taking action and the sort of step-by-step -step process that Carl took. And of course, The Foundation, I'm sure, was very helpful for you because it puts you in the mindset with a lot of people who have done this before and, and could just help guide you uh, along the way. But I'm really interested to hear, after you pulled up to Tesla and after you decide that maybe this is something you could do, um, you know, and, and, and for those of you listening, the process sounds very simple. You find sort of a particular market or a group of people, a niche, and you just ask a whole bunch of questions. And Dane in that episode number 46 actually reveals and shares some of those questions, which are golden questions that everybody should be asking their audience no matter what, uh, even if you've been doing this for a while. But anyway, after you discover really what the true pain points are for that particular audience and just really diving deep, you know, five, six, seven questions deep after asking an initial one to really understand what would benefit or what would be the solution or what would be perfect to serve this audience, then you go out and build it. And you know this is this is uh, software. And and the idea behind software is it's great because you can have customers that pay a recurring 
fee every month and you know the more customers you get the more income you're going to have month after month so what were your first steps carl i mean you said you did clinic metrics i mean how did you decide to do that and what what kinds of questions were you asking these people yeah i'd say my first steps were to just um you know get over really a lot of the fears and kind of stuff that was going on um in order to allow myself to be comfortable talking to people and calling strangers on the phone. Um, I mean, I did just like pick a few markets and then test things out um, just randomly. But then I systematically kind of went through a process to choose a market, which I'd happily, you know, go through with you if you want. Sure. Of course. And yeah. And, uh, and then I, you know, along the way, a lot of things came up and I was feeling, you know, scared and nervous a lot about a lot of this stuff and you know that was another big part to it for me um so where should i start do you want me to start with choosing the market yeah how did you how did you choose the market i mean it's great i think it's a great to just you know you were sort of just going through trial and error you were calling and that's a that's a big thing too and i know that's why um, a lot of people fear actually just talking to people and going to figure out what is it what it is exactly these people need or what what they're what they're struggling with or what would make their life easier um there's no better way to find out exactly what a target market needs than to ask them but asking them is so hard and a lot of people don't do that i'm really glad yeah yeah, i'm I'm really glad you brought up the sort of fears because that's what everybody experiences that's what i'm experiencing right now with this food truck uh, site that i'm building for food truck owners i mean i'm experiencing it but i know that because that fear is there, it's something that's worth doing. Um, so why don't you go over the sort of process of, of selecting a niche uh, and, and yeah, um, for sure. how you ended up where you where you got to? Um, well, I knew the process involved calling people. And so I just, at first, I just tried a couple. I tried dog daycare and I tried um, like used car dealerships just, just to see how it was and Those break the ice. Kind of random choices. Yeah, just randomly. And then and then um and then I kind of did it systematically um by you know looking up a list of markets. Um you can do this on Google. There's a lot of places you can find structured data around kind of you know how big a you know you know just a list of markets and how big they are and a bunch of information on it. So I found one of those lists and I basically just started cutting them down by the, you know, important criteria um, to have a green light market, which is another thing they kind of teach in the foundation. And I added some of more my own criteria to it also. So the one thing is you want it to be big enough to serve you. So you cut out anything that's, you know, maybe smaller than I think they say 5,000 businesses. Um, I made my list 10,000 businesses because I couldn't, you know, make the list small enough. Mm-hmm. Um so I cut out that. You want to make sure that they're, you know, profit driven. Um, that's kind of arbitrary. Um, you want to make sure they they are, you know, making at least, you know, enough money to pay for software. So we kind of guessed at $100,000 in revenue uh, per year. And uh, to do that, I personally looked at a site called BizBen, um, which, you know, shows businesses for sale. Um, and you can kind of look up, you know, uh, it, it, they display how much money they make, too. So it's a great place to find, um, you know, how much different markets are, are making or businesses are making. It's great. Um, okay. Yeah. And then um, I basically took that list and, and those criteria. They, another one is, you know, are they uh, 
currently using software you want them to be because if they're not then you know it's probably a learning curve so it's easy you could search you know search the market's name plus software so I kind of had a big list and kind of whittled it down to 10 and I really just said you know which ones of these markets speak to me which ones are you know am I passionate about um, and you know physical therapy and one other home health kind of stood out to me um, because I thought they were both important markets and physical therapy in particular, because I was a patient at one point with a football injury and they helped me get over it. And I had a really good experience. So, you know, I just, you know, once I saw that that was a green light market for me, um, I knew that that was the right thing to do. And then I also kind of called both markets just a few times to test it out and instantly kind of loved talking to physical therapy practice owners because we had a lot in common. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also important too, because if you're, you're moving forward with something and you're, you know, you're reaching out to food truck owners right now. Um, if, if you don't enjoy that and you don't enjoy those conversations, it's going to be a lot harder for you to move forward because you're going to need to talk to them a lot in order to, you know, make something happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm absolutely loving this process. So I'm really excited to move forward. And yes, there will be struggles. But because I love this sort of industry, I've really grown to connect with actually a lot of individual food truck owners that I've been speaking to on and off again. Um, it's going to be much easier than if I were to go into something I wasn't very passionate about. Uh, so what kinds of questions were you asking physical therapists um, to sort of discover what it is that they actually needed? Right. Yep. So the next thing was reaching out to them. Um, I did it starting with email first. Mm -hmm. um, just emailed them, you know, a quick question, you know, what is the biggest challenge in your business pretty much? And just said, I'm a software entrepreneur and trying to help them. And, uh, you know, they would respond and then I would, you know, set up a call from there. And um, what kinds of questions would I ask? I mean, I the idea is to try to start broad mm -hmm. um, to just kind of, you know, ask them questions like, you know, tell me about, you know, what you're, what you do day to day and what, you know, what are the, what are the challenges that you have in your business day to day? And when they talk about that and you hear one to kind of go further and ask more questions about that, um, to kind of drill in. Mm -hmm. So like an example would be, um, this one doesn't have to do with my product, so I'll use it. Um, they, they once would tell me, yeah, I have to take all this documentation for each patient, um, and it sucks. And then you might ask, oh, well, what kinds of documentation do you have to take? And how does that work? Um, how often are you doing it? Um, you know, how much time does it take you each day? And you, you start to drill in and figure things out. And you can almost map out a process and figure out ideas right from there. Yeah, I remember in episode 46, Dane gave a number of examples just like that. Um, call it almost data mining, I think it was. was yep. And so, like, he was... There was like I think a conversation that Dane had with a pool boy who yeah. was uh, losing a lot of money because a lot of the people who were his clients um, just said that you know the, the pool's not clean enough or you didn't do your job I want my money back or something like that and so that became a big pain point and he talked about creating some type of software that would document the cleaning process or show that things were being done the way they were supposed to so that there was proof that they were you know, going to get paid or that they should get paid. Um, and then there was the private investigator example. Um, the, the, uh, I think it was a home appraiser, someone who, who would go into homes and take measurements and do it by hand, uh, you know, with notepad. And so somebody created an, uh, an iPad application to help keep track of that and, and sort of make it easier for them to organize. So, yeah, I mean, these types of opportunities are available 
everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> but you yeah. wouldn't know unless you go and you take action and you ask a bunch of questions. And I love yeah. what you said, how, you know, in your email, hey, I'm a software engineer. I want to build something to help you where, yeah. you know, you win because you get this thing that's going to make your life easier. And I would win because, you know, we, we you'd be a customer and, and, you know, I'd get paid. Obviously, you wouldn't say that, but that's the sort of idea. So tell us a little bit what led you to, I mean, t tell us about your product, actually. What, 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 does it, what does it do exactly? And, um, I mean, I, I bet based on that, we would obviously know the sort of pain points that, that these people have, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah, so it basically... Um it is actually, yeah. So it helps them to keep track of their business metrics. So um, as a physical therapy practice grows, um, they have, you know, several employees and then eventually sometimes many locations. And as it, you know, as the practice owner gets further and further removed from what's going on, they kind of need to keep track of, you know, different operational metrics to see how each clinician is performing, to see how their marketing is doing, to see how their finance is doing. So really what I'm building is kind of analytics for physical therapy, uh, business analytics for physical therapy. So that's, that's really what it does. And it gives them an idea of, you know, exactly what's going on in their business so that they can point out problems and, you know, solve them before, you know, it becomes something too big. Right. I love that because, you know, there are there there's software out there that can do metrics and analytics for companies already but when you build something specifically and with the input from your target market it's going to be exactly what they need and and you know a lot of those larger companies who you might feel like are going to just just overtake you because they're so big and they got all this money for spending and marketing and advertising and, and whatever um that's where you actually have an advantage as a single person who could go in there and build something for a specific market a specific group of people which is exactly uh what you did and, and that's why we say you know these opportunities are available everywhere solutions are available but custom-made solutions um, are, are, are what people want because it just makes their life easier and you have to make sure you show it to them. So how did you, so, okay, you discover this pain what, 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 and you discover that there, there might be a possibility for uh, you know, this software. Um, what, what, what did you do next after you were like, okay, this is something that could actually help these people? Did you, I mean, did you create this software on your own? Did you hire somebody? What was that process like? No, so the next step, um, you know, I wanted to make sure it was a valid idea. I, I actually got, you know, from 32 phone calls, um, conversations that lasted at least an hour long with different practice owners, I got eight different ideas that I thought were, you know, legit ideas, business ideas That's huge. for this market. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, had to make sure you know, which one was, which one made the most sense. So, um, to validate it, you kind of just talk to more and more people and see if more people are bringing up the same pain. And if they are, um, then you have one to move forward with. And for me, I had eight, so it was tougher, but I basically chose based on, you know, a small amount of scope, um, meaning it's not too hard to build. It wasn't something, you know, it was, it was more of a deeper problem. And uh, not not a lot of stuff going on to build, at least at first. And, you know, it, it brought in enough revenue or the price pricing could be high enough to where it could support me or actually, you know, be a really good business. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I chose the idea. And then um, once I chose the idea I wanted to move forward with, I wireframed it. So it basically just drew a sketch of what, you know, pretty much I thought um, would work to help these people. And then I converted it to, I used Keynote. I mean, there's a ton of wireframing tools out there. Um, I used uh, just Keynote and Keynotopia, which I love because it makes really beautiful looking wireframes in a really short amount of time. And um, yeah, so I used that and reviewed it, you know, with the people who said they wanted it. So um, I basically, you know, showed it to them. Um, and iterated it maybe two or three times. And then when I was ready, um, I put together an information pack that was kind of like it had some screenshots based on the wireframes I put together. And it really defined the problem and how the problem was going to be solved um, and all the benefits the user would get and kind of made an offer. And so from there, I kind of pre-sold the product using that information pack um, and using like a clickable demo that I made with the wireframes mm, to cool. these people to prove that it was a worthy idea. So, you know, you, you can sell it in advance. Um, and, you know, what I asked for was what it would cost them for three months um, to pay me in advance um, for the product. And, and what I said was once I got three, uh, that would be enough for me to feel comfortable moving forward. So I did that. That's awesome. That's so cool. What did that feel like to 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 show this information pack and have these people that you're working with and you've talked to for hours on the phone to be like, yes, this is what I want. And actually, they paid you before you actually made anything. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> um, this is the first time I ever sold anything in my life, um, aside from off of Craigslist. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was, you know. And it was, was just an idea at that point, right? Yeah, like just an idea, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it was. But it a really was good idea. It was sketched up and, you know, you know, I created some pricing and, yeah, I showed it to people and, you know, walking them through. It was a crazy experience. I had never sold anything before. But, yeah, walking them through and price anchoring them by showing them, you know, what the benefits are going to be for them, like, you know, how many new visits they think they could get if they had this or Uh how many hours they think they're going to save and just trying to, like, be honest with them and show them what the return on investment could be. Um, Yeah, just making that happen and, and, uh, you know, that process really worked and they they really appreciated it and, you know, it it was actually, at that point, it was far easier than I thought it would be. Um, it wasn't easy, but I had done a lot of work up front and I think that's, you know, what made it, you know, pretty easy because I spent a lot of time with them designing it and it was exactly what they wanted. That is so sweet. Did, did you pitch them? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really even pitching. It was just showing them, but did you do that in person? Did you do that like over, over a go-to meeting or how? how Yeah, I used join.me. Um, yeah, just screen share. Okay, sweet. That's, that's even more convenient. Um, Oh gosh, that's that's so cool. And oh, for you, you had mentioned this earlier. Uh, that information pack you talked about. There's a link where people can actually download that. Correct. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can you can check it out, and and that's the original you know thing that I used to help help sell the product. And I actually use part of it still. Like there's a process 
like there's a, a diagrammed process of the old flow that they used to have to go through in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still when I show that to people makes them cringe and that's what sells the product. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, that's what gave you the pre-sales. So yeah, there's a link. You can get that, um, and kind of copy it. If you, if you end up building your own product and following this process at the foundation.com slash Carl. Yep. That's the foundation.com, which is Dane's program slash Carl. Uh, it's a free information pack. You will have to opt in. And of course, you know, that means you're going to get emails, but this stuff, obviously is working and 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 dane always has good information to share uh for 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 everybody um okay i want to talk really quick about pricing you you said you had mentioned an offer um in your information pack and i'm sure it's there but what 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 sort of because i I, i'm sort of like okay is it like 29 dollars a month or is it like 299 dollars a month i don't even know um kind of give us an an idea of of what this program costs and sort of how much you earn up, up front Sure. So, uh, I charged, well, the offer is not actually in the information pack cause that would be something I sent around and I didn't want people to see that before. Okay. See the pricing, but like before I, you know, presented the offer. Um, so that's it exactly as I send it out to people, but yeah, I'll, the, the offer basically, you know, when something like this, I would say, um, here's the pricing I came up with, which is roughly, um, it's $120 per month per location that they have. Um, most of my customers have, uh, about five locations. That's like the average. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, 500 and 500 bucks. and some 600 yeah. bucks or so, um, wow. per month is, is what I'm charging most of my customers. And, uh, yeah, so I would say, yeah, this is the pricing I worked out and, um, what I'm, what I need from you is, uh, you know, three months paid in advance. Um, and, uh, what I, what I will give you in return for that, it's kind of like a Kickstarter model, like your own little Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. What I'll give you in return for that is, uh, 20% off of that price for life. And I won't change the prices on you. And, um, you'll get to work with me and, you know, dictate features as we go. Um, you'll get, you know, support. You can call my cell phone whenever you want. And, um, you know, I will personally help you implement this into your business. And in exchange, um, the catch is that it's not going to be ready until May. Um, and it, uh, and, you know, in the end, I'll want to use you as a testimonial. So that tended to work pretty well. Um, yeah. How many people did you pitch that to? At this point, I, I don't know exactly. I think, you know, I, I closed about half the people I pitched it to. Mm. Um, that's some really of those, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I still do, which is crazy to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think in the beginning before I built the product, I, I raised like $3,800 in pre-sales. And, um, I think that was like four customers, maybe it was three or four customers, Mm. um, that made that up. Yeah. That's awesome. So $3,800 pre sale, and then you use that income to pay for the software? No, um, I had planned to, but I ended up 
getting a developer who was more interested in having, you know, a stake in what happens with the company than, ah, okay. yeah. So I ended up doing a deal with my developer who actually is a friend, like, um, you know, I work with software developers, so I'm kind of lucky and fortunate in that end, but other people have done this too, where you can just find somebody and pay them if you want. Um, and that's what I wanted to do to keep it simple, but you know, it worked out great. I mean, he was more vested in it and interested and, um, we worked great together. And so, yeah, that's how we worked it out. So I didn't pay anything to have the software built up front. Man, that is sweet. First of all, congratulations on everything. And I think, the, 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 and, and I can't wait to see sort of, uh, what, where this takes you. I mean, already it's it's doing really well for you and i know that people listening to this are just getting so pumped right now and are ready to start making phone calls and things like that and even if you already have a site in target market i mean i think it's smart to do that you never know in the target market you're in there might be some sort of software that would that would be of interest to your particular audience that isn't available to them right now and i know already i mean i mean dane's uh dane's interview on spi definitely influenced me to do a lot of more deeper research with any sort of target markets that I'm in. And, and so this is sort of approach I'm taking with the food truck site that I'm doing now. And, and already I have a list of ideas uh, of, of things that I could offer this community that isn't available yet. I mean, it's, 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 I'm lucky that it's still sort of wild, wild west out there. So it gives me opportunities to do that. And they're very willing to talk because they work really long, hard hours and anything that they could do to make their lives easier uh, will be of benefit to them. So that's going to be coming down the road, perhaps maybe some software, or some some tools or things like that. But for now, it's just going to be the sort of website as a resource and to get to know and sort of build an audience there as well. But anyway, going back to you, this isn't about me. This is about you, Carl. <laughs> um, what were some of the struggles that you faced along the way doing this? I mean, the way you presented it just now just sounds like, okay, it was boom, this, boom, this, boom, this, easygoing, pre-sale, boom, all is good. Um, <laughs> but I know that's never the case. Like what? No, what? Not. I mean, besides the fears that you talked about when making phone calls, which is going to be common for most people, what are some of the other things that you came across that were hard for you that you struggled with or maybe that you needed some help on? Yeah, I mean, it's there's a ton. Um, and for <laughs> me, the biggest thing I got out of being part of the foundation was like a change in my mindset um, to kind of learn how to get over things so that I could be really effective. So like you remember, I said I was working full time for Tesla when I was doing this. So I had no more than two hours a day to spend on it, honestly. Mm -hmm. And um, I did this in two hours a day. And in the beginning, I was so nervous that, you know, I didn't want to make a phone call. Um, I was scared that the whole thing was a scam. Um, I was sick to my stomach and I wasn't sleeping. Um, and, you know, learning to get over that stuff, um, yeah, really helped. And uh, it all starts with just being aware um, and, you know, noticing what you're feeling and, and why. Um, and the way I kind of looked at it was, you know, I, I wrote down, and a lot of people do this, and I, you know, I know you do this too, like your, your top two things that you want to accomplish that day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in that morning, I would wake up at 530 to start and I would look at them and think, is there anything holding me back? And what is it? And then I would try to get over those things or at least address it or be aware of it. And it really helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, some of the stuff that came up for me was, yeah, I felt like, you know, I felt like people perceived me as like a sleazy sales guy on the phone, um, which was totally not true, especially if you're trying to help people, you know, they're 
they look at it as like, it's awesome. You know, you're, you're there to try to help them and, um, they get to rant to you about their problems and, you know, you're listening and they really like to be listened to and understood. Everybody does. So that was one thing. Um, another thing was a more personal thing was, you know, I, I was afraid, I wasn't afraid of failing. I knew that failing was going to help me move forward. Um, but I was afraid of letting other people see me fail. So I was honestly like kind of hiding this from everybody I was friends with as I was doing it for a really long time. And, you know, that caused issues like <laughs> it just caused me to not be super effective because I wasn't putting myself out there as much as I could. And then once I got over that, that that gave me another big step forward. And then probably the biggest one that made me kind of really realize I changed my mindset was um, I was halfway down the process and I had already made a pre-sale and somebody had, um, I, I emailed this guy who was a consultant because um, I wanted to connect with him and I thought it would be a good connection in the industry and he never got back to me. And then another guy who I basically made friends with, who was a physical therapy practice owner, um, who knew the guy, ended up talking to him and, and mentioned me and and he said he didn't call me back because he was going to build a competing product and he was already working on it. Whoa. And honestly, yeah, at, that, at the time when I first heard it, I was like, well, man, maybe I should, you know, there, there's, not, there's no competition right, right now, but this guy is way better reach. He's already in the market. That's really scary. Like, you know, what, what, what's going to happen to me if I launch this product? And, you know, yeah. um, he launches one and then just crushes me. But, you know, um, <clears throat> if you think about it rationally, um, rather than let your fears like take you over, um, you can, you know, realize that, you know, he hasn't released anything yet. Maybe he's just saying that it might not even happen. If he does release something, it's probably going to be completely different than what you're releasing because you're not even talking to each other. Um, you're doing it right. You're talking to the market, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you're building something absolutely the way it should be built. Uh, I have experience in software, so I'm probably going to build better software than than this other guy. So, you know, in the end, I realized that um, it would be a good decision for me to move forward. And obviously, I'm super psyched that I was able to get through that. Um, yeah, that's yeah. pretty scary. I mean, I, I think that's something a lot of people worry about is, you know, why they sort of not share with everybody is because they're afraid of other people taking their their ideas. And that's actually the first time I've heard of someone actually... I mean, they, they didn't, I, I have, I mean, you said they, you haven't seen anything yet, but, um, typically that's stuff that, you know, people are overthinking about and, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of times, I mean, even, even, even when doing your research, you might be scared like, oh, maybe somebody that you're speaking to will think it's such a good idea when you're trying to conduct this research that they'll, they'll do it themselves. And I think, you know, you, that, that's something you shouldn't worry about because a lot of these people who you're talking to, um, they obviously, because they need help, they, they, they're they doing their own thing and, and, and it's taken all their time. So they're not even going to have a chance to do what you're doing right now, which is all the research and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are those are those are big things. So so let's let's go back really quick. You said you were working on, on this two hours a day. So it sounds like you knew what you wanted to do within those two hours sort of beforehand. But where did you find those two hours? Did you have to sacrifice anything or did you sort of put yes. things aside? A little bit. Um, well, I'm a surfer and um, 
a lot of times I would surf in the morning before work. I did sacrifice that during this period um, quite a bit. I still still went, but I didn't go before work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, but I did mainly just get up earlier. Um, I, I'm always an early riser, but not like 5:30 a.m. early, and that's what I did. Um, I got up at 5:30, um, you know, ate breakfast, and planned what I was going to do and then worked from, you know, six to 8am and then went to work and then maybe did a little bit of work after work, but hardly, I I could hardly ever do that. I'm really a morning person. So in the evening I kind of am done. So I wanted to do my effect, like do the work when I was most effective. Were you stoked to wake up every day to work on this stuff or did you ever? Yeah, I mean, well, I was scared too. It wasn't just stoked, but like, once I got into a routine, it was really hard to get into a routine of like, um, in the beginning, it was like sending emails to contact the market and then, you know, making calls and talking to people and then learning and learning and learning and repeating that process over and over again. Once I got into that process, I was really pretty stoked about it. Um, yeah. And then going to work on the wireframes and talking to the customers more and yeah. For sure. Eventually, I, I got pretty stoked about it. But there were there are always days like it's super cyclical when you're doing stuff like this mm-hmm. um, on your own, like where you have a super high where, you know, things are going great and you talk to a new customer or potential customer who's um, could be awesome or somebody gives you a great idea. And then you talk to another person who's like totally negative and down and tells you you're never going to come up with anything because there's tons of software out there already. And that's going to happen. And you know, it puts you in a bad mood for the entire day. It can um, until you learn to control it a little bit. For sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Um, going uh, And then after you said that, you talked about sounding like a salesperson on the phone. I think that's something a lot of people worry about. That's something how what I worry about, too. How did you, I mean, how did you control that? Or, or, or were you just surprised that nobody even thought of it that way? I mean, what, what oh. was your script? What was my script? So my script was, hi, my name's Carl. I'm a software entrepreneur and I'm doing research on the physical therapy practice industry um, in hopes of finding the biggest problems in order to hopefully create a product that can solve them for you. And I'd just like to, you know, ask you a few questions about your day and um, the biggest challenges you have in your business right now. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think um, in terms of sounding sleazy, um, for a while I thought I did, and you know, every once in a while somebody may think, you know, think you're you're doing sales, or they think of you that way. But um, you know, I I learned to approach um, all of my calls and to try to give more than I'm taking from them every single time, and. Um, that really helped and it kind of, you know, it paid me back, you know, so many, (laughs) in so many ways, it's been crazy. Like so many different things have just automatically happened and doors have opened because of that. So an example would be, you know, you always know something that they don't and if you can share it with them, maybe you learn it on the first call with somebody else and you say, oh yeah, this guy's, you know, I'm having trouble with marketing. Well, you could tell him, you know, I heard this other guy's doing this, maybe you should try that. Or, you know, maybe you could try this resource out. Or you can tell them, you know, simple tips on like using Gmail or whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. 
Um, as long as you're, you know, helping people, they really open up and, you know, they want to help you. And I'm sure, you know, you've talked about this on your podcast many times before, but, you know, it really works. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it it's really cr- works. It's so crazy what happens when you start to help people. And, and sometimes you don't, I mean, you shouldn't even have to ask for anything back. A lot of those people are just going to feel compelled to want to give back to you and help you out if you could do something for them. Yeah, um, you don't need to ask. I mean, you, you can, but um, I had times where people, I didn't ask for anything from them and they'd given me you know, a list of referrals, it's like 10 different, you know, 10 more people that I can call that they personally know. And oh, that's huge. Yeah, like <laughs> things like that to, you know, somebody took me to a conference down in San Diego and walked me around and introduced me to like loads of people there. Um, yeah, lots of stuff happened that way. Awesome. Dude, this has been such an incredible, inspiring interview carl i want to thank you for coming on and and i'm sure we could talk for for hours and i would love to just you know maybe keep in touch we can talk uh, in the future you and me and even get you back on the show and sort of have a sort of recap on on how things have have gone since this interview has gone up um if you're down for that yeah for sure absolutely i would absolutely love that awesome dude well i mean to finish off here, uh, do you have maybe one tip your best tip for those of uh, us who are listening who you know haven't quite gotten started yet, or maybe we started and we haven't seen the results that we want yet. What's one thing that you've learned based on your experience here uh, that you feel would be most beneficial to everybody listening? Man, you've got to take action. Uh, I mean, you said it in the beginning. Um, you have to take action. Um, if you want to make something, you know, happen for yourself, you just have to try. And um, it could be as easy as, you know, walking down the street to talk to somebody who owns a a pet store or whatever and asking them questions and that could break the cycle for you and get you going. But, you know, make your first call, write your first email, um, and you know, get started. Yeah, dude. I love it. Like imagining going to a pet store and just being like, Hey, so what's something that you have to do every day? And they'd be like, Oh, well we have to feed all the animals every day. Well, how do you know how to do that? Oh, well it's on this notepad here. Well, what if you had like an app or something that would tell you when to feed every, I mean, I don't know, but I'm just speculating, but that's, you, you find out stuff that you wouldn't ever know that would that people would pay for if you just ask and like you said take action. I mean that's really what it's all about. So I mean for those of you listening, I mean you could listen to all these episodes on SPI and and and, and get a lot out of it and you know get inspired by people like Carl, but nothing is going to happen unless you pick up the phone or you walk down the street or you put something up and you just start to do. I mean you have to do that. So hopefully this podcast, if not a lot of the other podcasts here on the SPI podcast uh, lineup, um, ha- will inspire you to do that. Um, so Carl, dude, just thank you so much. Um, give us the URL of your of your clinic site so we could check it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's clinicmetrics.com. Um, yeah, just clinicmetrics.com. And you can, if you want to follow my progress a little bit, I'm just starting to blog about it at, at carlmattiola.com. And I'd love to hear from any of you that, that want help with anything, um, free advice, you know, anything you want to know, just go ahead and email me. You can do that at uh, carl at carlmattiola.com. Thanks, man. Paying it forward, that's yeah. what it's all about. Um, good things are going to happen when people do that. I love it. So that's Carl Mattiola, M-A-T-T-I-O-L-A dot com. Right. 
Perfect, dude. Thank you so much. And again, that link to get Carl's information pack for Clinic Metrics, uh, you will have to opt in for it, um, but definitely check it out if you're interested. That's at thefoundation.com slash Carl, C-A-R-L. Dude, thanks again, buddy. Uh, buddy, you totally rocked it. I love it, and um, I'm inspired now. I'm gonna get on. Some, I'm gonna get on the phone right now. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Carl Mattiola. Carl, if you're listening to this, uh, which I know you are, thank you so much for sharing your story and also for sharing very, very specific strategies and steps along the way. I know I speak for everyone else out there listening when I say we appreciate that so much. Um, you know, I remember when I published episode 46 of the podcast, that was the interview with Dane Maxwell that Carl talked about. And I got a lot of comments from people that were like, dude, Pat, this is so eye-opening. This is inspirational. I feel like I have a plan I can execute now. And Carl is, of course, a prime example of what happens when you take action on something that you listen to. So that's a key lesson there, of course. But when I published that episode, I also heard on the other side of things, uh, from a number of people who, you know, f- through the blog uh, comments and, and and also through email, saying things like, "Pat, how could you have someone like Dan on your show? He's just there to promote his program. He's there to take our money. He's smooth talking us. His stuff doesn't work. He's a scammer. Things like that." Now. I think I'd be able to judge someone well enough to know uh, whether or not they were a scammer. I mean, I I wouldn't have interviewed him and and published that episode and even keep it up there uh, if I didn't think the information he provided wouldn't be helpful or if if I was skeptical in any sort of way. But, you know, I understand he has a certain kind of personality that not everyone resonates with, and and, and that's okay. You know, I I can see where the negative comments might be coming from. But when when you break it down, when you break it down to the principles of what he was teaching, you know, the stuff that Carl talked about too, that's the stuff you need to understand. No matter what, finding a market in need, one big enough to support you if you are able to support it, digging deep, really deep into the problems and issues and the pains of that market, and then working with them to create something amazing. I mean, if you haven't read The Lean Startup, The Lean Startup by Eric Reese, read it. There are a lot of similar strategies and principles being shared here. And yes, this business model and the, and, and the idea of software business isn't for everyone, but it's just another option for you. And uh, if, the, if, if this episode excited you, I recommend taking action. Start something. Make calls. I mean, even if you're not excited about software, I mean, your blog, your, your, your business, whatever it may be, make calls and talk to people in your industry or in your audience and find out anything that you can um, that, you, that, that you can or might be able to potentially provide a solution for. I mean, uh, emails, calls, talking to them through your blog comments and just trying to understand. You, your job is to understand everything about them so you can provide everything for them. Now, I, you know, yes, uh, Carl is a graduate of, of the foundation, and I'm not saying that you have to join Dane's program. I mean, you could if you feel it's the right fit for you, but the information isn't secret. I mean, Carl told it all, Dane told it. I mean, what the foundation does really well is it provides that support system and that structure and the scheduling that, uh, you know, not everyone has access to, the, the accountability and things like that. I mean, that support system of like-minded people who are going to help you along the way is so 
important. So whether you get that through something like the foundation or if you have a mastermind group um, like what I have, you know, I'm actually in three of them. They are that important to me. Uh, to just know that that, is, that should be an important component to you and the success and whatever you're trying to do, you know, that support group. And lastly, you know, you don't need a dime to make a phone call. Although I guess depending on your phone plan or where you live or who you're calling you might. But I mean, to do the research and, and validate your idea, you know, something we heard, uh, you know, we hear over and over again, SPI podcast number 71 with Noah Kagan talked about validation. And again, in a few other episodes, you don't need to spend money to do that or very much. And then connecting with others, like we just talked about, you don't need to spend anything but time and effort to find the right people. So going back to what Carl said right there, right there in the end, take action, get uncomfortable and welcome and embrace the fear. That means it's something worth doing, something that might take your business and your life to the next level. You know, appreciate the small wins along the way. That's probably my biggest tip. Appreciate the small wins along the way. And you got this. All right, resources and links at smartpassiveincome.com slash session82. And uh, thanks again for all the SPI I love. Like, I love you guys so much. And uh, I'm here for you. I will see you in episode 83. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. Hey, and before you go, now I know I don't usually speak after the outros, but I wanted to capture your attention here. This is really important. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to have a phone conversation with somebody in your particular market, in your target market. I want you to have a phone conversation with them. This is really important. You're going to find out so many amazing things from simply having a phone conversation, a real conversation with somebody. I'm doing this right now in the food truck industry, and I'm, I'm, I'm realizing there are so many business opportunities here. It is unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and you will find the same thing out once you get on the phone. And it's really important that it's on the phone because you, I know you can ask these you know, sort of questions to people in your target market via email, but the thing is you'll get the surface-level answers. And when you are having a phone conversation and you ask these questions, you can go deeper. You can find out more, five, six, seven, eight levels deep within the one single seed question, and that's where the gold comes out. That's when you will discover things that are truly, you know, things that really matter to those you're speaking to. Now, if you have an existing business, blog, or website already, Take one of your customers, speak with someone that you know is in your target audience and get their phone number and tell them you want to help them and have a phone conversation with them. Maybe you can have an in-person conversation too. That'll accomplish the same thing. But if you don't have an existing business or a blog or a website and you're just getting started, you could do what Carl did. Sort of even just at random in the phone book or do people even have phone books? I don't even know. But pick a random niche and find a company in your area and talk to them and you know, ask them the types of questions that you need to ask to discover stuff. Now, what are those questions? Now, this comes directly from episode 46 with Dane Maxwell. I'm going to recap what those questions are here for you so you can get some ideas of what to ask. First question, what's the most important area of your business? Here's some other follow-up questions. I'm just going to list them here for you, and you can kind of have a natural conversation based on these. Is there any pain associated with that particular activity? Um, 
what else? That's probably the most powerful question in the world. What else? Or also, tell me more. Those are follow-up questions that are golden, and you need to follow up. And here's a really important quote that Dane uh, mentioned in that episode that just pretty much sums it up, because the quote is, if you can define the problem better than your target customer, then they will assume you have the solution. So your job is to ask these questions so you can define the problem and do it better than your target customer. And that's why you need to have eventually multiple conversations. But I want to start with one. I want you to start with one. Now here's here's some more questions. Uh, what software have you been looking for but you just can't find a good solution? What are some of the repetitive tasks that you have to do on a day-to-day basis? Who is responsible for those tasks? How do you feel when you have to do those tasks? If you could wave a magic wand related to that task, what would happen as a result? What are the tasks that you do that take up the most time? What problems are costing you the most money? Now, those are some questions to help you get started, and I challenge you to have one phone conversation with somebody in your target audience, or again, if you're just starting out, somebody who owns another business or whoever, a target market of some kind. And what I want you to do is have that conversation and email me. Send me an email, a personal email, at pat at smartpassiveincome.com. This is my way of holding you accountable. I want to see how many of you take action. Who of you are the action takers? Because Carl talked about it. That's what it takes. So if you're getting struggled to get started, and you know, this is a good starting point. And um, if, if you just need that little push, I'm giving it to you right now. Are you up to the challenge? Email me after you have that phone conversation. Again, pat at smartpassiveincome.com. I want to know that you did this. I want to know how you felt. I want to train you to do things like this. I mean, SPI, you know, is, 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 is a lot of information to take in, but that information means nothing unless you take action on it. So do that. And this is my way of getting you to do that. So I look forward to reading your emails and then I'll see you in the next episode. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.